Well, good morning. So good to be with you this morning and good to come down from Chicago and, uh, and share and worship with uh, familiar, familiar faces. And so um, thank you for having me this morning. Um, let, me, uh, let me begin by uh, reading our text. It's from Luke 11, 37 through 44. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, and so he went in and reclined at a a table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you must tithe mint and rue and every herb, and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without negligence, neglecting the, the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. Well, this is God's word that's given for our good. Let me, let me pray for us. Father, I ask that you would use this word that we have read and heard together, that by the power of your spirit, you would use this word to speak to us again and to take us by the hand and to lead us to Jesus, that you would show us his grace. And as a people, you would change us by it. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I read a few weeks ago um, when the president was visiting Europe that he made a stop to see the Queen of England. Maybe you've heard about this. But what quickly became newsworthy was that the president didn't behave the way someone should when they are with the queen. (laughs) You see, there are protocols there. There's there's protocols about where you are to stand and, and, and how you'd engage the queen. And the president had quickly gone rogue. <laughs> well, our passage this morning, it begins with a similar encounter. Jesus breaks protocol. He doesn't wash his hands before dinner. But, he, but Jesus isn't just trying to be contrarian here. He isn't just doing it because he wants to. No, he wants to get at something deeply important in this man's life and those like him. And so right away we hear Jesus call this religious and pious and honored man. He calls him a fool. He calls out his and others like him. He calls out their hypocrisy. And what does this mean, to be a fool, to be a hypocrite? Well, it is to pretend to be something that you're not. It's to put on the show. It is to, to, to present a facade of how you want to be perceived. And some, some hypocrites, they're, they're quite easy to spot, right? Privately, they do those very things that publicly they would denounce. Right? But other kinds of hypocrites are not as easy to detect. And these are the kinds of people that Jesus is calling out in our text. And some of these people outwardly were not doing anything all that wrong, right? That they weren't taking advantage of anyone. They weren't stealing anyone's money. They weren't sleeping with someone they shouldn't have been. 
Outwardly, outwardly, they were good people. They were some of the most pious and moral people of their time and most certainly wouldn't have thought of them, you wouldn't have thought of them as hypocrites. And that's exactly the danger that is lurking in the waters. Jesus wants these men to hear, he wants us to hear that hypocrisy is ultimately a matter of the heart. And this question of hypocrisy is really a question of morality in this moment. It brings it forward. It asks, what is it, what is it that actually makes us good? What is that? And if we're not clear on what it actually means to be good, then we can easily find ourselves in the same shoes as the Pharisees, walking around thinking and pretending to be better than we are. And so what I would like us to see this morning is to look at this encounter with the Pharisee and to see, that, and to see what it can tell us about, <coughs> about the importance of the heart, about the darkness of the heart, and ultimately the renovation of the heart, if hypocrisy is ultimately a matter of the heart. So first, the importance of the heart. Uh, now we see that the Pharisee here is astonished because he sees that Jesus doesn't just wash his hands before they eat. And as a result, Jesus is breaking the religious tradition of his day. These Pharisees, they tenaciously clung to the oral tradition that had been passed down through the centuries. They believed that if, if you ate food with unwashed hands, then, then you would contaminate that food, and then that food that would, that would enter into your body, and that, would, that food would contaminate you. It was very important for them to find ways to remain ceremonially clean in order to be able to enter into the presence of God. And so he is surprised, perhaps offended, to see Jesus break from a religious tradition and not wash his hands. Now this may sound a little silly to us, like, like a conversation you'd have with your children, you know, wash your hands. It's a good idea. In fact, I came across an article this week in which scientists argue that the, the, the ways in which the CDC, the Center for De Disease Control, the way they've been telling us to wash our hands uh, for the last several dec decades is completely wrong. I know that's a warm thought, right? Uh, but Jesus in this passage, unlike the scientists and unlike the Pharisees, is not really concerned about the question of hygiene. He's concerned about this question of character. Rather than being truly faithful from the heart to keep the religious tradition, we should be willing to break from human traditions to engage in inward obedience. And so he calls these Pharisees, he calls them fools. They're hypocrites. He calls them fools because with their hands they claim to honor God, but the reality is that in their heart they are far from Him. And what they want is not God, and what they want, what they desire is to be rich, to be rich with admiration and status. It is a religious piety turned inward into the dirtiness of the human heart. Now on a side note, if you... Uh, if you have a deep problem with religious hypocrisy, that is one of the reasons why you are keeping your distance from Christianity. You don't want to associate yourself with Christianity because all of those hypocrites. I want you to consider the fact that Jesus has a bigger problem with religious hypocrisy than you do. 
It's not fake news to him. He doesn't sweep it under the rug or cover it up. He, he calls it out without fear, without hesitation for what it is. It is an assassin of the soul, moving in the cover of darkness to destroy the life that God longs to bring. But I, but I also want to be clear about what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that it doesn't matter what you do, as long as you are sincere, as long as your heart is in the right place. That's not what he's saying. What Jesus is saying is that what, what happens on the outside of you is not what makes you unclean, but what, what comes from this inside place, this inner you. That is where all of your defilement comes from. And so he shows us that this question of hypocrisy is tied to this deeper question of morality. What is it that actually makes a person good? What is it that makes a person clean? What is it that makes a person pure? So he's not saying not to wash our hands, of course. (laughs) That's a good practice. But clean hands do not make a clean person. Clean hands do not make a person good. The problem is not the food that goes into our mouths and then passes into our stomachs. No, the problem is the sin that proceeds from our hearts and then passes into our life. He's telling us something quite powerful, first about our words and secondly about our actions. He's telling us that the people that that people do not determine what we do and what we say. Situations do not ultimately determine what we do or what we say. No, it is our heart. It is our inner self that controls our actions and our inactions. Now, when we hear the word heart in our time, we often think of maybe the seed of the emotions, right? Talk about this this morning if you came to the emotions class. But Jesus is not saying that our actions or inactions are, are controlled just by our emotions. No, when scripture talks about the heart, the heart represents the core of who you are, the center of gravity of your life, of your personality. The heart is you, the real you. It encompasses your emotions and thoughts and love and desires. And what Jesus here is telling us is that all our actions, our inactions, all determined by our heart. So true goodness is inward rather than outward. It's ultimately based not on what you do with your hands, but who you are in your heart. The heart determines the actions of our hands. And that, of course, is consistent with what Jesus has already said in Luke's gospel. Jesus is asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, what must I do to be, right, to be a right person, a good person in the eyes of God? And the way he responds to that is by saying what? He says, you must love God with all your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, all of your strength from your very being. And you must love others as yourself. So the essence of what it means to be good is to love. Every action, every thought, every word, every motive must be directed towards love of God and love of others. And here's the thing. It's not easy to be called out like this. (laughs) I mean, Jesus is talking smack to the Pharisees, right? And who wants to be shown to be a hypocrite? Who enjoys having those secret motivations or desires seen and addressed back to them? Who wants to hear their moralism called out for what it is, a hoax, a a defensiveness to God? 
And the Pharisees and the scribes, they respond at the end of this chapter the way that we often respond when we get exposed. They fight back. They are defensive. They, they provoke Jesus. You see the, people, the, see, the Pharisees were people like us. People who wanted to be good. They, they were admirable. They were deeply respected. They refused to compromise their politics or their morals. Their goal was to live as good of a life as a priest in a temple. And if we lived in the first century, these are the people we would want to be like. They, these are the people we would want to hang out with. They were good guys, and yet Jesus calls them hypocrites because they're blind. They're blind to their true condition. They don't see themselves for who they really are. And because they claim to be able to, to lead others, Jesus says they are no better than blind guides. The blind leading the blind. And of course, the same could be said of us. Right? The problem is that their commitment to truth, to integrity, to, to justice was only skin deep. It doesn't just penetrate deep enough to the heart. And you see, by focusing on hands, on, on what, what it is that we do, they essentially were reducing the standard of what true goodness requires of us. Right? By lowering the standard to overt or outward actions, they could lull themselves into a false sense of security by thinking that they were basically okay. They hadn't, they, they hadn't done anything too terrible to offend God, that they were fine, that they don't need someone to save them. They can save themselves. But Jesus, by focusing on the heart, focuses on who we are, not necessarily on what we do. He raises the standard of what true goodness requires of us. You see, this is classic legalism. Legalism reduces the standard in our minds to what we think God requires of us so that we can make those goals achievable. And that it is easy to become self-satisfied, that we can achieve these outward actions and, and we can begin to compare ourselves and, and see that we've done better than those around us. Jesus always does the exact opposite. He raises the standards that God actually requires of us because it penetrates to the heart. And that's what shows us why we can never look down our nose at anyone else, because we're so desperate and in need of his grace. And so here, Jesus, then he rips off the mask. He exposes the hypocrisy. And this is deeply unsettling for them, for any of us, right? To see ourselves for who we really are. But it is honest, it is true. The foolishness and the hypocrisy in it is a great deceiver. We lie to ourselves about our true condition and we can lull ourselves into a smug or self-satisfied false sense of security. But if we dare to pull off that mask, to stop lying to ourselves, to actually take an honest look at our own hearts, what would we see? Jesus shows us that what we would see is pretty dark and messy. He tells the Pharisees and later the lawyers and us that our hearts are dark. Let's be honest, this is hard to hear, right? It can sound way too pessimistic, cynical. People don't want to hear that, right? They, people want to have an optimistic view of how we are as human beings. We, we can resent this idea that, that, that who we... Uh, um, 
that we need some help, right? On the one hand, we may admit that human beings are broken, but on the other hand, we, we don't always want to be fixed. We, we, want, we don't want to be made whole. There's a comfort in that. And maybe there are others here who live in, uh, who live in that darkness, who believe they are unlovable. Perhaps from an early age, you're shown you were convinced that you were unlovable and you live with that contempt. You believe that. And the idea, the thought of being whole, being loved, is inconceivable. But I think if we have ears to hear Jesus, his words can be incredibly helpful to understanding the human condition. It can be incredibly helpful without being naive or there is an honesty. Jesus' words are realistic without being cynical. Jesus says, woe to the Pharisees. Now, what does woe mean? (laughs) Woe does not mean curse you. Woe is empathy. Woe is distress. It's not a curse. It's a cry. It says, I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe this is going to happen to you. Do you realize where, he, where this is going, where this will lead in your life? It's not a curse. It's incredible empathy. It's emotional engagement. It's not detachment. He says, whoa, not because he hates us. He says it because of love. You are valued. You matter to God. And you don't realize what you're doing, how broken you are. And Jesus wants them and he wants us to confront the reality of our true human condition. Yes, you tithe, but from your heart, you neglect justice and the love of God. Out of of your heart, what you really care about is status and prestige and admiration, not, not the burdens of people. And unless we recognize this condition, this darkness in our hearts, we may be hypocrites without even realizing it. Because we're pretending to be better than we actually are. Uh, Sufjan Stevens, who some of you may know, is a singer-songwriter. He has an album called uh, Illinois. And on it, he wrote a song addressing the darkness of the heart. The song is called John Wayne Gacy. (laughs) And in it, he tells this horrific story of Gacy, who was a criminal, to put it lightly. Um, And as you listen to the song, you may even be asking yourself, why is he singing about this horrible person. But then at the end of the song, in the final words, he makes this absurd statement. He says, quote, in my best behavior, I am really just like him. And he finishes with another haunting line. He says, quote, look beneath the floorboards for the secrets I have hid. The song ends open and unfinished, inviting us into this absurd statement. Well, another pastor has said it this way. He says, quote, the seeds of every kind of sin are in my heart, all the more dangerous perhaps because I do not see them. Hmm. Think about that. The seeds of every sin lie within the heart. Those seeds may not ever sprout to life or see the light of day because the conditions are not right. They haven't been watered or cultivated. We may not outwardly or overtly do the things that other people do, but the seeds of every sin lie within. We are capable of just as much as the next person. And if they are there, then what do we do about it? (laughs) You see, if the problem was really only about our hands, the outward things that we do, then we could just change our behavior, right? 
But the question is deeper. How do we actually change our heart? How does that happen? Well, you may remember the scene from uh, uh, the scene where Lady Macbeth in Shakespeare's play realized that she has uh, that she's complicit in the murder of the King of Scotland, and her conscience is pricked. She is sleepwalking. And she's convinced that she literally has blood on her hands. She's trying to rub the blood off. But the problem is that the stain is not on her hands, right? The problem is that the stain is on her heart. You know, and we can rub and we can wash dirty hands, but how do you rub and wash a dirty heart? How does that happen? You see, this, this isn't the first time that the scripture speaks about these matters. The great promise of the Old Testament is that God will one day cleanse us and give us a new heart. And he would do more than that. He would place his spirit within us and give us the capacity to walk in the ways that he called us to walk in. To walk in the ways of true love and goodness and justice. And what the Pharisees don't see is that Jesus' coming, it fulfills that promise. God has taken on flesh and blood. He has become like us in every respect except for one. He was without sin. First John tells us that in him there is no darkness at all because God is light. Jesus uses this unique position that he has to become for us the true priest who's absolutely pure who sacrifices his very own self in order to make us clean. You see, as our true priest, as our true high priest, Jesus lives the life that we should have lived. He does the death that we deserve to die. He rises again to bring the new life that we had always hoped and longed and dreamt for. And because of that, Hebrews chapter 10, it, it tells us that he alone can sprinkle our hearts clean from an evil conscience, that he can actually wash our bodies with pure water. He alone can make us clean. He alone can make us good. And when we put our trust in him, when we believe and receive the cleansing that only he can offer, he promises us, he says in John 7, that the one who believes in him, out of his heart will flow not evil or darkness, but living water. You see, the work that he begins in us is just the beginning. He will one day bring it to completion. But even now, before that time, we can, we can put our trust in him to re and receive that cleansing that, that only he can offer. And through us now, we, he can, we can allow living waters to flow in order to quench the thirst of a hurting, uh, confused world. So what does all this mean for us? Well, if you're willing to pull off the mask, if you're willing to pull up the floorboards of your heart, chances are you're gonna be maybe discouraged. <laughs> chances are you're gonna be maybe disheartened by what you see, right? You may even wonder yourself, can I still, can God still love me? And the question is, you know, what do we mean by still? You see, the darkness in your heart may come as a surprise to you. It may jostle you. It may be a devastating blow to you. But it does not come as a shock or a surprise to Jesus. You see, the darkness in the Pharisees and us, it is the same heart that he has been loving all the way along. 
And it is for that dark heart that Jesus goes to the cross in order to cleanse you. And none of this comes as a surprise to him. And when you realize that, when you realize the depth in which he knows and still loves, that will enable you to experience the lavish and the beautiful love and grace of God again and again. Let me pray for us. Father, we pray that you would give us the courage to pull up those floorboards, to take off the mask. Help us to see who we are and how much we need you. And we pray that you would cleanse us, not because we deserve it, not because we are capable of it ourselves, but simply because you have chosen to love us and you have done everything necessary to make us clean. Transform us into people who not only experience your radical love, but who humbly serve others around us and seek to push back against the darkness in the world. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.